The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. are now in the underdog sports fantasy hour i am josh dunn i am joined as always by anchu kana anchu how you feeling this evening i'm good josh i'm very good we are less than a week away from our first or what one week just over one week away from our first nfl game so you know it's we're it's going to be good we're good we've got full-fledged nba playoff action like it's the sports are happening, man. Sox are in – are they still in first place? I know they were as of yesterday, and then they ended up losing after being up 2-0. But uh, obviously that uh, gives us a little bit of momentum going into the football season just on a sports high. Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, we literally taped during a freaking no-hitter. That's, that's pretty sweet. I think that's – again, that's good karma for the rest of this year. Maybe we're the good luck guys, potentially. Oh, yeah. All our teams are good, man. That's It's always been the case. Everyone knows that. Yeah, and a big slate uh, of NBA games. We'll get to some uh, division-winning lines from BovadaSportsBook.com here in a little bit. But we want to start with NBA tonight. I think the juices are flowing a little bit after that Miami Heat-Milwaukee Bucks game. Crazy finish down the stretch. You've got Oklahoma City and Houston tied up right now, kind of closing in on the end of the second quarter. Rockets are two-and-a-half-point favorites on Bovada here in-game. Uh, but let's start by talking about this Milwaukee-Miami game, and then we'll kind of just touch on the series here that are going on in this second round. We had a big game seven last night between Utah and Denver that came down to mm-hmm. that very last shot that Mike Conley went in and out that would have won it. But uh, what did you think of this Miami-Milwaukee game? Obviously Miami taking the lead here with the 2-0 uh, lead here in the series, but I don't. I mean, I didn't expect them to go up 2-0, but... Uh, Miami's been maybe one of the surprises, I would say, in this bubble, in this playoff run. Jimmy Butler's looked excellent these last couple games. Obviously, this was a bit of a questionable call at the end of this game to send him to the free throw line, but kind of a crazy turn of events to get it to that point anyway. Yeah, I mean, it took an absolutely insane rally by the Bucks in the last minute just to get it to that questionable call. And, you know, the Middleton foul right before that was pretty questionable as well. So, yeah, man. I mean, the Bucks. You know, you talk about the Heat. They're, they've been hot. They've won six straight now in the in the bubble in the playoffs. And the Bucks are going the opposite direction. They've only won, I believe, they're they've won like eleven of their last thirty games or something. Like they've they've been really cold. And I know that a lot of that is you know going through the motions in the bubble without Giannis and you know having locked up the one seed, but not ideal at all. They do not look like the Bucks that over the last two seasons, including the playoffs last year. Um, really were shooting well and defending really well under Coach Budenholzer. They they look like, you know, they're having a lot of trouble scoring. And, uh, you know, that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, Giannis, yes, he does score 29, but doesn't score his first points till like halfway through the first quarter. I think that the Heat giving them so many different looks with Crowder and Butler, obviously, obviously Ben Adebayo as well has been, like, you know, a different kind of body for Giannis to deal with. 
they just got to be better shooting. Like, I mean, they're not hitting threes, just seven of 25 tonight. And, um, you know, on the other hand, you've got the, the heat just shooting the lights out They're, they're They were 38% from three. Tyler hero has been a star in this series and really all season as a rookie. And, uh, yeah, I mean, right now the bucks look like the worst team for sure. And, you know, there's something you and I have talked about, but not having home court advantage is such a big deal. Like it's, it's just, it's an unfortunate year to not be the one seed, but you've got to be able to close even good teams out. That's what great teams do and great players do. And right now, Giannis and the Bucks are just not bad. Yeah, and Goran Dragic, I mean, obviously he has had all-star years, um, but he has been a revelation mm-hmm. in these playoffs. I mean, I, I know Kendrick Nunn was kind of the guy this year, um, you know, for the for the Heat at the point guard position, but... Goran Dragic has been amazing in these playoffs. I mean, he's, he had 23 tonight on 8 of 18. They, in, they ended up with seven guys in double figures. And none really, his minutes have gone down significantly since getting hurt earlier in the bubble and then he kind of gradually working his way back into the rotation. But only nine minutes tonight to Dragic's 34. Uh, I mean, I, I, he could end up being the difference for this Heat team. Obviously, he has that veteran presence. He's a good scorer when he needs to be, but he's a facilitator as well. But he's somebody mm-hmm. that you have to you have to worry about on that uh, on the perimeter. And I think he's helped open things up for Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder, who's been hitting threes in this series as well. And uh, Tyler Harrow, like you said, I mean, he's a guy that you always have to account for behind the arc. So if if, if Miami can keep hitting shots and, and kind of spreading the ball out and, and, and allow, allowing themselves to use their depth, I think that's another key too. I mean, they have some – I mean, Myers Leonard doesn't even play in this game. He hasn't really played much of uh, recently. So you have guys that can spread the floor really all the way down that depth chart, uh, whereas mm-hmm. the Bucks, you know, we've talked about their depth a lot this year, but – you know, you need guys like Pat Connaughton and, and Dante DiVincenzo and Kyle Korver and George Hill. You need those guys to step up, and they really haven't been. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Like, basically, the Heat around Butler are doing what the Bucks around Giannis should be doing. And, um, you know, and Butler's been playing the role of the MVP in this series, honestly. So, you know, yeah, it's been – it's not been good for the Bucks. I Again, like, it's not like they're down 2-0 going to Miami or anything, but – you know, they're down 2-0. It's not a good place to be. And, you know, from where we're sitting watching these first two games, I think it's going to be, it's definitely not over, but it's, you know, it's, of course, more of an uphill climb even than an 0-2 deficit would suggest, I think. All right, let's bounce over to the West. The Nuggets ended up closing it out, like we mentioned. Obviously, this game, uh, you know, was one of the lower scoring games in this series, but uh, we had a big third quarter from Donovan Mitchell. Jamal Murray tweaked his knee there, kind of struggled a little bit in that third and fourth quarter, and then kind of picked things up. But the Jazz ended up blowing a 3-1 lead. We've seen this before in the NBA playoffs. Go 2016 Cavs, I'll never forget. Yeah, um, there it is. <laughs> but, but the Nuggets ended up pulling it out, and I, you just have to, you have to sit back and appreciate, whether it's bubble or not, whether there's fans or not, whatever – what Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell did in this series. I mean, these are two guys that, if you're an NBA fan, you know both of them, right? I mean, you and I, mm. we're big NBA guys. We love we love watching the stars, and these are two of them. But if you're a casual NBA fan, you probably now know who Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I you know, it's a thing coming into the bubble that we were wondering, like, okay, what are the things that could stick out in this situation? Like, obviously, there's a big break, and so – you know, you have players that are young that are like, these are very formative times, both physically and, you know, skill wise for a lot of these players. And I think you're seeing that jump that you normally see in the subsequent regular season out of guys like Mitchell and, and Murray, who like otherwise maybe 
might have been fatigued at the end of the season, you know, and like to see what they look like in this playoffs or man, it was so impressive. I think that those two teams are just so well matched and, you know, like man, Jamal Murray, I, I don't know that I would have put him in that group, like in that Mitchell group, but after seeing him in the, in these, in this bubble at the end of this season, uh, back in March, like he is definitely that guy. And, uh, as I think the, the commentator said at the end of that game, like, you know, these two guys are kind of like irre- irreparably tied, you know, like they're, they're going to be, people are going to remember that series and remember the back and forth. And uh, I, I mean, the NBA did such a good job of capitalizing on being the only game in town really. And uh, you know, it's never been more evident than seeing these two guys, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jokic who, at the end of the day, like that is the dude, that is the rock in the middle of this whole series and to score 30 and be so efficient and such an amazing passer for a big, you know, really clunky guy is, uh, it's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, we saw Vucevic in that first game against Milwaukee have yeah. just an amazing performance and just watching guys like that, who are your more traditional bigs in the NBA when they're on, I mean, when they have those games, it's, you kind of wonder if, if there's still a place for those types of guys in this NBA. And Jokic obviously maybe a little bit different because he, he does hit the three a little bit better than Vucevic. But those are two mm-hmm. guys that stick out to me in these playoffs that they're, you know, they, they're still kind of figuring out that they're, that, you know, if you can hit that outside shot, you, you still definitely have a place in this game if you're a big seven-footer like those two guys are. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the difference is that the Nuggets just have so much more around Jokic and you know I mean Jokic is just such a great passer that it changes the game in a different way than with Vucevic but you know it's it's just I look and then the other piece of this I think with the Nuggets and with Jokic specifically is you know the way that Michael Porter Jr. has come off the bench I think that that makes them so different than what they were last year and obviously Murray's ascension is a big part of that too but um, you know I think they're going to give the Clippers a good series I, I doubt that they'll be you know ready for game one. I think you saw after the game, like Jamal Murray with Scott Van Pelt was like, I had no idea our game is in two days. (laughs) You know, like I think that they're going to be pretty burnt out after that seven game grueling series. But I think by game two or three, that's going to be a great test for the Clippers ahead of probably greater tests. Yeah. And to your point, Bovada's got uh, the Clippers favored uh, by eight and a half in game one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I was, that was my next question. How do you feel about this series? I, I feel like Denver with Jamal Murray probably being a little bit banged up. I feel like the Clippers need to wake up and I feel like this is a good series for them to do that, but I still see them winning it in five, maybe six at the most. Yeah. Ooh, five. Wow. I, I mean, maybe if, if like the two games that, that's I just don't think, I don't think Paul George is going to let himself perform as poorly as he did for the majority of that first series. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like for a lot of these teams, they weren't really playing through the, you know, the regular season bubble was just kind of like exhibition season. Right. And so really that first round served as a, like the true tune up. And so I think that, you know, if that's the case and he comes out and, and, you know, like they might've given a few games there in the first series, I don't see them doing that in the second one. And I think that, you know, we saw with Kawhi last year with Toronto, like, it was a little too close for comfort. Now it's time to like put guys away right away. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think that the Nuggets, like just in terms of matchups, they're like, those two teams could not be more opposite. I mean, you have a great point guard and a great big man on the Nuggets side. And then on the opposite side, you've got like easy on the Williams. 
<laughs> two awesome perimeter guys. I mean, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. I know that's your boy, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, he's not, he's not like the key to the team. So it's like those two, those series of matchups are, are sort of interesting. I think in terms of like how the two teams pivot off of it. What do you make of Boston and Toronto? The, the, the Celtics win a, a game yesterday. They really shouldn't have. I mean, Toronto was up by, I think 11 going into the fourth. Uh, they were up by 13, at one point late, and then Boston really turned it on. Um, Jason Tatum is—he's arrived. I mean, this guy is—he's—he's he's a legit star, and he's going to continue to show that in this league. Is Boston a contender, or is—is is this maybe this Raptors team not as good? Obviously, they're not as good without Kawhi, but maybe not as good as they were in the regular season because this was a very good regular season team. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the statue, you look down the roster, you're like, how did the Celtics win this game? Because Kemba didn't have a great game, like very inefficient, four from three. I mean, Marcus Smart was good from the arc, but really didn't bring anything else to the table. And then, you know, your classic Jalen Brown game, but, you know, the bench was whatever. And, you know, on the Raptors side, they were so good. All their starters, five guys over 16 points. Like, I mean, you look at that and you just figure that the Raptors would have won. So, yeah, I think it's like the difference, of course, is is just Jason Tatum, to your point. And, Big um, shots. I, he hit some yeah, really clutch shots down the stretch. He's he's definitely got something. Like, he's definitely one of those guys that's ascending to into that, maybe not that top tier, you know, but, you know, that second-ish tier. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't think they're – I don't think they're either of these teams are contenders, really. But, like, I, I think basically whoever whoever wins that heat buck series is likely to go to the finals, which is wild to me that – you know, we could be looking at the Miami Heat in the finals led by Jimmy Butler, which I don't think anyone would have thought a Jimmy Butler-led team would, would be there. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of where we're heading towards right now. Certainly nobody in Chicago. Um, last, <laughs> lastly, let's, let's, let's touch on the, uh, the other series that uh, is yet to be decided with uh, the Lakers just awaiting who wins this Oklahoma City-Houston series. What do you think of the Lakers? Obviously, they dropped game one to, the, to Portland, and then they kind of figured things out. Do you think that the Lakers are still the favorite in this Western Conference? Or do you Are you kind of one of those folks that's waiting to see what happens with that Lakers-Nuggets series we just talked a little bit about? Clippers-Nuggets, yeah. I I definitely think that. that I, I honestly think Nuggets, the Nuggets, if they were to somehow beat the Clippers, I would – that would be very interesting against the Lakers, but I think we all want to see Clippers Lakers. If for only the reason that it, you know, I want to see the Clippers beat the Lakers. Basically, I, I have no interest in seeing LeBron in the finals um, again. But uh, you know, it's I I think that you know either way, whoever wins this series, I don't see the Lakers getting really challenged. I, like the Rockets look terrible to me. I, I mean, you have to. We we talked a lot last week about Chris Paul and his underrated greatness at times. And, you know, I, I just, I'm so impressed with what they've done. Um, but I also think that a lot of that is due to the fact that the Rockets just don't have that sort of killer instinct. And Anthony like, Davis is going to dominate the Rockets if, oh he, if they, God. if they, if they play them. I mean, obviously the small ball thing is interesting. Oh, you got yeah. Tony, but they trade Clint, Clint Capella earlier in the year. I just, they do. They look bad. And like Russell Westbrook yeah. having seven, seven or eight turnovers yesterday, he blew the game for them. Like you, you mm-hmm. should, this, this, this game series shouldn't even be going on right now. In Oklahoma City, no. I know we talked about them doing well in that Clippers trade for Kawhi, uh, for not for Kawhi, for Russell Westbrook. Um, no, Paul George. Wow, yeah, for Paul George, uh, <laughs> they did, and they did, they did do well in that trade. Uh, but 
the guys that they get in return. I mean, Gallinari had a big game after starting slow the other night. Um, you had Gilgis Alexander who hit big shots. I mean, these are guys that you shouldn't really be expecting to be making plays in big moments. And Oklahoma City, under like behind a 36-year-old Chris Paul, wins the game that comes down the stretch. I mean, I know they were one of the most clutch teams in the league this year. They said it a hundred times on the broadcast, but this, this, I mean, if, if Oklahoma <laughs> city wins this series and that's who plays the Lakers, that's kind of a joke. It is a joke. Like, I mean, at least the Rockets will run the Lakers up and down the court, even if they'll get their ass kicked, you know, by, like you said, by Anthony Davis and LeBron, but I, you know, that's, it doesn't really matter. It's a buy for the Lakers. I, and it sucks. Cause I, I think that had the Lakers had to play the nuggets in the second round, while they match up differently because you've got Davis on Jokic, like I think that that would have been a lot of fun. And I just don't see either of those teams. It's going to be the Rockets, but I don't see either of those two teams giving the Lakers any sort of a rough time. Like I'd set the over-under on that at probably five games. Yeah, I'm with you. And also we just talked about uh, the two series that are already 2 nothing. Toronto and Milwaukee both favored in game three here early on Bovada. Milwaukee five and a half. Toronto one-point favorites. So, obviously, the lines would, would suggest that maybe we'll get these series to be a little bit more competitive. And I think for the other series that are going to be going on, you would hope to see that. Otherwise, we're going to have some well-rested teams waiting for their opponent uh, <laughs> later on. So, well, I, yeah. guess they're both, I guess they're both in the East, but the Western Conference do you think, anyway. Do you think both teams up 2-0 win? I, 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 I want to say Milwaukee figures it out, but... They look terrible to me, man. I, I honestly, yeah. I, coming into both of these series, I would have had Milwaukee and Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you had Boston, I had Toronto, but yeah, Miami's but been, the, yeah, and Miami's been the sexy kind of dark horse team in in these playoffs. But I still think Milwaukee, even though they're they're out of the gate so slow, I, I expect this series to at least go six. I would say seven. I think it's going to go seven. I think regardless of who wins it, it'll go seven. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I have the balls to, to say I'd take Milwaukee at this point after seeing them these first two games. They just yeah. the, role, the role players haven't stepped up. Talk to me in a week. If the role yeah. players step up and get this series, that you know, even if they're down 3-2, I'd probably pick them. But yeah. I need to see them win a game to feel better about that pick. Do you think that and this is such a first take question, but I, I actually think it matters. Like, do you think that if Giannis doesn't win this Eastern conference, it affects the way Whether you think stays. about him? Well, well, yeah, that too. But like what you think of him going to next year. Cause like I, I, I had this conversation with some buddies who are Bucks fans. And like, I think that, um, you know, like the default for someone of Giannis's greatness based on what LeBron did and Kawhi has done is that he should win, or in Durant even, for example, I, like ability to should, take over a game. You mean you got to win? You got to yeah. win a conference. You got to make it to the finals. That is like that is the the you know like anti right now. He's got to get there, or else he's not in that class. And I think that you I know, think he's young enough that it doesn't matter, though. Okay. Yeah. I know it's not like it's not a legacy thing. He's like twenty three. I think. Yeah, but for I, now, I, I I see your point. I'm not there yet with that. I mean. I just I what I hope doesn't happen is they lose this series to the Heat, and then really? he starts to think about not staying there because he wants to win a championship. Because then I will lose okay. respect for him. I agree. I completely agree. Because he's unlike those other guys, including Anthony Davis and Durant and all those guys and LeBron. It, like he's been pretty steadfast in saying he's going to stay. So right. yeah, that but was, but that a lot. I mean, we, we've seen other like you. You saw Durant say, you know, after yeah. a lot of guys changing teams. Oh, you know. 
what what is this like you know can't you stay where you're at and win a championship all that whatever the tweet was but mm-hmm. and then he leaves yeah. uh, to go to Golden State but I I, I just I, I hope I, I I'm like cautiously optimistic that John that Giannis doesn't turn into that guy because I feel like a lot of guys had not wanted to turn into that guy and then when you get to that 27 28 peak of your athletic ability you start thinking about whether or not you stay with the team that has mm-hmm. had the faith in you and that you've built or that you want to go somewhere and join up and win championships. I've already, I, yeah. even today I saw something, I don't know if it was first take or skip or, you know, Stephen A or whoever it was, but <laughs> somebody was, uh, it was on ESPN maybe. And they threw out, what if Giannis joined the splash brothers in golden state? It's, oh like, my God. it's like, I would, I just, then, <laughs> then I'm back to like, just let me have my moment where Golden State's not even in the, the, the bubble. Just let me have my moment to enjoy the NBA for a little bit before we start talking about Giannis going and joining the Splash Brothers. Get the fuck out of here. I can't take He that. can't go anywhere, honestly. Like, if he goes to – the only team I would say is, like, kind of – like, all right, first of all, he I just – I hope he doesn't leave, period. But if he were to go join Luka or something, that'd be, that'd be kind of interesting at least. But, yeah, I just just – make your thing up in Milwaukee and, and like be the dude that changes that franchise. You know, like I think that there's something to be said about that. These other guys weren't able to do it until LeBron came back to Cleveland. Yeah. And we all, we all know how that one played out again. Thank, thank God for that 2016 three to one deficit comeback. I, uh, I certainly, I certainly won't forget it, but let's shift. Uh, I want to talk NFL. Obviously you mentioned we're a week away as this, this show will come out, I guess tomorrow we're recording Wednesday night. It'll come out tomorrow. So we are officially a week away from NFL football. It's so weird not having a preseason because like we've got all these fantasy drafts. We have our big one coming up Sunday. We're going to kind of weave in some fantasy talk as we talk about these divisions that we're going to go through. But it's weird that we're going to have football without seeing football before football, unless it's you're so watching weird. Hard Knocks. <laughs> right. And even that's like, it's such a parody. And like, yeah, even we haven't been able to see our teams at all. Like for you, especially, I think more than most, like, you know, I think that when you draft a rookie quarterback, like, preseason becomes a thing like a real thing you know like for me it would have been whatever like yeah I probably want to watch Jordan Love whatever but for you guys like it would have been the first time seeing Burrow and a number nine you know like the whole thing and the first time you see him it's gonna matter like a ton like it's it's right away it's a it's you'll you'll have never seen him in a Bengals uniform throwing the ball until that first game of the regular season which is it just makes it I think it, it adds to the excitement so much too but also like Gotta think that the pressure is rising for all those guys too, at least for the first quarter or whatever that they're playing. But yeah, it's it's insane. Like I I, uh, I was watching like random clips of that stupid Austin P Central Arkansas game the other night on Electric. That, it was, <laughs> but that was like it was weird to watch a, a live football game. You know, like it was crazy to see it, even if it was at that that low a level. And so yeah, I can only imagine what it's going to be like when. The NFL comes back next week. Sidebar, before we go to the NFL, is is the Big Ten playing football now? Because I keep hearing this kicked around that they want back in. I know you're the Big Ten insider on this show. <laughs> Tell me what's going on with your Badgers. Oh, man, I hope they play. Um, I don't think I, – I don't know. I think that they're going to try to play like a, like a later – they're going to try to like couch behind the idea of like a, a short and regular season and they will start late. I think that once they see – you know, all the other teams practicing and playing, the pressure is going to rise a ton. And uh, that really starts this weekend, actually. We got some college football going on, some meaningful college football going on. So I I would anticipate that we'll see, I think the date that 
Dan Patrick might have said that it was like October 10th is being kicked around. I mean, that would be Kevin Warren, the commissioner, really backtracking a lot. But, um, you know, definitely feeling a lot of pressure from the Nebraskas and Iowa's and Ohio states of the world. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, we'll see. I think it'd be weird to do it at this point after being diligent about saying we're not. It's like, oh, we see you, the SEC. We're jealous. Now we want to play football, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and the Pac-12's not playing either. That's the other thing. So it's like, right. are they? Yeah. It'd be weird. Yeah, weird year. Uh, but uh, let's let's go to the NFL. We're gonna we're gonna do this by division. Uh, we'll talk about you know some of the big storylines going on in each division. But let's start with the AFC East. This is a division that's changed quite a bit with the departure of Tom Brady. Which interestingly enough, uh, that departure has Bovada and Vegas thinking that Buffalo is now the favorite in the division, even with the arrival of Cam Newton in New England. Buffalo is plus one ten. Uh, not not a dramatic uh, difference between what they've got New England at at plus one forty five, and then the Jets at plus seven fifty, and Dolphins at plus eight fifty to round things out. It's it's an interesting division though because there's been so much change in this division. The Jets obviously still a very young team. Uh, I think a lot of people expect them to take a little bit of a step forward. Whether or not Sam Darnold is the truth or the real deal remains to be seen. Um, I, I know you struggled with your love of Sam Darnold last year in fantasy football at times. But uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously obviously the Bills had a real good opportunity there in the playoffs that they kind of choke away. But uh, the Bills, uh, do you see them as a team that can cement themselves as a perennial playoff contender? I, I, I am not a Josh Allen guy at all. But, like, you're right. The change is so interesting in this division. We all have – and another part of this preseason, not having a preseason, is – this will be our first time seeing Bill Belichick, co- you know, coaching a quarterback not named Tom Brady for a full season as a starter, you know, ever. And so, uh, like, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And I think that in that uncertainty, there is some, you know, some opportunity here to to bet on Belichick. And I think that, you know, to me, like, I I could see the Bills winning the division. I think it's close. I just don't know how you can possibly have them favored over the Patriots after the history that Belichick's shown, you know, like even with Garoppolo, they go undefeated. I get like, and Cam, they're just, I, you know that they're going to have something ready with Cam. And I bet that Bill Belichick's just like licking his chops that he doesn't have to show anything in these preseason games, you know? And so I, yeah, I, I think that the value play there is for sure on, on the Patriots. Which, Obviously, this is an interesting division for a lot of reasons, but quarterback-wise, fantasy football-wise, obviously Cam Newton is a big question mark. He was injured a lot of last year. Uh, we have Josh Allen, who's not exactly a fantasy football guy, uh, but he has <laughs> he has you know run the ball at times and been able to have nice output. And then you have Darnold, who's been a big question mark, and probably Tua, right? Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick probably to start the year and then Tua eventually. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, so the first two guys you mentioned naturally have to come to mind. And part of that is because, you know, the rest of the division has to play the Bills defense and the Patriots defense, two of the best in all of football. So, you know, I I mean, Cam, it just totally depends on your appetite for the, you know, the risk. Um, in a two quarterback league, all, all those guys are obviously getting drafted. But I think, Alan, you know, you add Stephon Diggs to the mix and you think of their running backs or the lack thereof in Buffalo. And I think that that, and really in New England too, like I think that that impacts a little bit how much better those two guys can be as quarterbacks. 
you know, maybe not like top 10 quarterbacks, but in, you know, I think they're both certainly rosterable. And then you never know with Cam, like with McDaniels and with Belichick, how good he can be because we've seen him win MVPs and just dominate fantasy seasons on his own as well. Yeah, it, I, I I don't know if anyone here is really worth the risk high, obviously. I mean, he, he, you even look at the skill positions. I I, I know Devontae Adams had uh, – um, not Devontae Adams. Um, Miami. Devontae – Oh, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. Yeah. Why, uh, wow. Yeah. It's been a while, football. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I know he came on strong there at the end of the year last year and uh, put up some big numbers, but I just feel like there's there's not a lot to be excited about when you look at this division from a fantasy football perspective. But mm-hmm. I think, again, I think Diggs, it's going to be a Diggs weird – Diggs Buffalo is interesting. Um, what do you think of that? Like in terms of – what do you think of – I don't of, know if I like that Alan? fit. I just don't yeah. – I like Diggs, and I, I think Allen's okay. I just – I don't know if I like that fit. Diggs was frustrating even in Minnesota. Yes. You know, yes. And, and, and I feel like Kirk Cousins probably is a little, maybe a step ahead of where Josh Allen is right now at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think Diggs is going to be a guy that somebody's going to take a flyer on, and they're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I don't dis- – I mean, I've, I've had Diggs. We've all had Diggs, I'm sure, in different leagues, and it's always – frustrating because like he'll just carry you for two or three weeks and then he'll tweak an ankle or do some dumb shit where he's hurt and like you know it's it's hard it's it's hard to own him but it's also like you know if you're if you're slotting him in as your second receiver you're generally pretty happy I think so it's just another example of that like and who knows Josh Allen year three if he you know takes that next step um, and again, like I bring up the running backs because if you don't have a good running game to fall back on, it's going to fall on the quarterback, especially on a good team. And I think, you know, if he is improving, if he's improved, like we saw what he did with John Brown last year, like Brown is still there. And now you add Diggs, maybe, you know, maybe Diggs is able to stay healthier without having like such a heavy workload, which is what he kind of did have in uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm looking. They've, I think Yahoo's got him in like maybe the 20 range as far as mm. receiver. There's guys Sounds like right. Michael Gallup's right there. Uh, Cooper Cup, Will Fuller, mm. Odell Beckham. I mean, I, I think that's a, probably about right. I, there's Ke- yeah. Keenan Allen's below him. Mike Evans is below him on here. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, yeah, I, it's interesting though. Like he's, it's, it really is all about like what you think of Josh Allen. Like if if you swapped Darnold and Allen in terms of like where they were and the players around them. I'd be much more excited about Diggs, but I'm just so it's he's Allen just been so scattershot that it's hard to trust him, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, they've got him sandwiched in between Michael Gallup and Tyler Boyd. I think that's about right. Yeah, that's yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, depends on your league, but yeah, I think that sounds about right. All right, speaking of Tyler Boyd, let's get the pain over with AFC North. Uh, <laughs> Bovada is just just absolutely laughing at the Cincinnati Bengals. And you talked about not being able to see Joe Burrow, and obviously you worry about that with the rookie quarterback not having those reps in the preseason. Bengals plus 1,600. Ravens running away with this thing at minus 185, and then you've got the Steelers and Browns at plus 375 and 450 respectively. Can anyone make a run at these Ravens? Obviously they were a little bit disappointing in the playoffs. They lose to the Titans while we were in Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, can anybody can anybody compete in this division? I mean, I know the Browns, were, we were all excited about the additions they made last season. We've got the Steelers. They still have uh, a quarterback that will remain nameless uh, at the helm that's going to be coming back off of injury. 
And then you've got the Bengals who just uh, they just penned uh, Joe Mixon to a forty-eight million dollar extension. What do you see out of this division? I I I do not get that number on the Ravens. I I just don't because I think that the other three teams can jump up. Like obviously, I you know I'm not gonna like bullshit you here and say that the Bengals are gonna like jump up and win thirteen games. But it should probably be I plus two thousand. <laughs> I think that like. There's no way that the Ravens should be minus 185. Like, they're, yes, they're the favorites, deserved favorites. But when you think of, like, how tough those six games will be compared to last year, and then you think of a first-place schedule, and you think of, I just can't shake Lamar Jackson, like, potentially getting hurt occasionally. You know, like, he's just he's just not built to take a lot of hits. And, you know, and you think about like, all right, they don't have a ton of skill position players. And you think about what happened with Earl Thomas. Like, I think that when you, you add all that up, I I don't really understand why they're like considered this shoe in the division. And so, you know, I, I would take a flyer on any of those teams at their numbers. I guess like I hate to say this on this show, but I like I kind of think that the Steelers should probably be a little closer to the um, the Ravens on that number. Like, I just don't. I think that defense was very good, and they withstood horrendous quarterback play last year. And, you know, they'll be a little bit better and more equipped to replace Antonio Brown than they were last year. And I just think they'll be better, unfortunately. And, um, and you know, the other two teams, like I, I, like I said to you, like I truly believe the Bengals are going to be a ton better. I Obviously, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that with a brain. And so, you know, any of those would be good, you know, good flyers to take at those numbers. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't think they'd be good flyers, but what what can you find? I do I do think that there's good <laughs> fantasy value here uh in this division. Obviously, you have the big names like Lamar Jackson and you have the Baker Mayfields and the Odells of the world. Uh Nick Chubb's a guy who had a great breakout season. Joe Mixon still one of the most productive backs in football despite uh his bowel movements not uh, always agreeing with him but uh but what what else do you see here is AJ Green going to be able to bounce back from injury is Tyler Boyd going to put up production again after having kind of an up and down year and then uh who else is going to step up on that Ravens team uh, yeah a lot a lot more talent here than the first division we talked about so yeah I mean just from the top like the Ravens of course, you know, you've got Ingram, you've got Jack. It all starts with Jackson. Jackson, even with the potential injury concerns, I think, and or concerns that the t- Titans provided a template for other teams in terms of how to maybe slow down that Greg Roman offense. Um, you know, I, I think that there's there are concerns that they're not going to put up the points, of course, that they put up last year, but there's still a lot of different pieces on that offense. Mark Andrews quietly was one of the best tight ends of the league last year in terms of catching touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I think that there are all those pieces all and that, you know, they add J.K. Dobbins uh, um, and, you know, I think that he's going to be certainly drafted in a lot of leagues, probably a top 30 type running back, even as a backup, um, you know, and then but like I think that there's, you know, and then you look at what like a- adding Roethlisberger back to an offense that he hasn't really ever been a part of, like a non Antonio Brown offense is going to be very interesting in terms of fantasy value, like does Juju Smith-Schuster reclaim the value that he had early last year in the draft and, you know, around draft time and then, you know, obviously lost and was benched in many leagues and maybe even cut in some leagues um, towards the end of the season. Uh, Deontay Johnson's a guy that a lot of people like, certainly is like the uh, potentially their number one guy and, and, you know, Beckham and Landry and Austin Hooper. And, you know, now how does Kareem, Ch- Kareem Hunt uh, affect Nick Chubb? 
I think those are all interesting, but my favorite guy in this division is Tyler Boyd. Uh, like in terms of what his perceived ADP is, I like I truly think that I'm I'm as you know I'm the I'm as big an AJ Green fan as there is outside of Cincinnati, and I like I think that I, I'm worried about his health, and if he's not healthy, and I believe in Joe Burrow, then where are all those targets getting flooded to? Just feel like it's going to go to Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I, I, the Bengals, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, uh, interest me in a big way this year. I mean, obviously the line is a big question mark, and can Burrow stay healthy? But they just they have weapons, and mm-hmm. I feel like he's a guy that's going to be able to, to get them to him, and I think Zach Taylor's got enough moxie as an offensive mind to try to make things creative in ways to get those guys the ball. So mm-hmm. I think there's players that are going to – that are going to be fun to watch, uh, and that they, they, uh, you'll want to be rooting for on Sundays, fantasy wise. But I'm not. I, I don't. I think they're going to. I think they're going to hang in games. And I know we talked about this last week or the week before. They're going to hang in games. But I just. I see them losing a, a lot of heartbreakers, which is, as Cincinnati fans, we've basically become accustomed to. But I, that's that's just the way I see this season playing out. I'm curious to hear what you think of Mixon. Like so. Okay. So signs the five year, forty eight million dollar extension, right? Four year, forty eight, um, and. Like what? What do you impact? Do you think Burrow being there will have on him? Like, do you think that the increase in the pass game will actually hundred percent hurt him? No, it'll help him hundred percent. And the mm-hmm. other piece that I think is going to be huge for Mixon with a bad offensive line is he's one of the best screen running backs in the NFL. So, oh, like, yeah. I think that that I mean, he's going to have. I bet he has four or five of those 50, 40, 50 yard screen plays this year. And I think that when you can when you can open up the rest of the field by being able to get guys in space like AJ Green, like like Tyler Boyd, um, if you can do that, your running back is going to have more success, better production. He's going to have more holes. So I think that the Bengals, for once, have good foresight in seeing that and are able to to give a guy that deserves the extension the extension he deserves when he deserves it, which they've missed so many times with offensive linemen and other skill positions in the past too. I think Mixon's a guy that, you know, these last few years, it's it's hard to ignore that he's been able to do that in some really, really tough situations. So mm-hmm. I think I, I think Mixon is a guy that I feel I feel like even with his production in the last couple of years, I feel like people are gonna kinda look past that. I feel like he's a guy that'll probably go like late second round in leagues. And if and if that's the case and he's still around, I'm I'm picking him up for sure. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he should be there, but maybe, you know, not seeing Burrow in that way will help, you know, mix in enthusiasts. Cause yeah, he should be, he should be higher than that. And I agree. I, th- with I think he has a very volatile draft position though. I think there's people that are going to look and say, Oh, bangle. I don't want that. Like same with Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd to your point. Totally. Like, and then there's people that are going to say, I don't care what team he plays on. I, I see his production these last few years and look at the number and, but we'll see. I mean, it, yeah, it, I don't care where people draft him. If he's around where I want him and I see the value, I'm I'm going to be picking him up for sure. For sure. And I mean, like the other thing is, like if you think about um, what ba- what uh, Baker, what Joe Burrow did last year with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and how good Edwards-Hilaire was for LSU, like it's not going to be a weird thing for him to dump the ball off to to a running back, you know, a lot. To your point, and so yeah, I was curious to hear your opinion on it because I think that their offense will look different. Um, but I think it'll be different for the better for everyone. Like everyone's going to eat that that can. Yeah, when you have a check down that's that good in space, it, it's a huge weapon for a quarterback, especially one that's going to be running around a lot. But he's, yeah. you know, he is relatively mobile for his for his big uh, stature. So, 
Yeah. Wait, what's the deal with AJ right now? Like, is he? What's, he what's yeah. The he, no, he, he's back practicing. I think he. I think he missed like a couple practices after he tweaked his ankle, and it wasn't anything severe. And he's back practicing full speed, so he should be good to go for for game one. I, I, you do worry about that as the season goes on, though. I mean, it's funny. Like you, you say that, and like it wasn't a big deal, but like obviously as a fan, like you see that, and you're like, oh god, here we go. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's 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 impossible not to feel that way. And uh, more times than not, the last few times we hear that news, you know, he's gone. So mm-hmm. he, he yeah. should be fine. Uh, you know, I'm wondering how, you know, how they'll work him into the offense because I'm, I'm certainly not one to believe that he's going to be getting, you know, high high numbers of snaps right out of the gate. I think they're going to try yeah. to limit that a little bit and, and continue to build his strength. But what do you do? I mean, I mean he's a star player. You you want to you want your star player to play, and he's on a he's on a franchise tender. You can't you can't just the whole year play him twenty snaps a game either. No, you're paying him a ton of money to be on that franchise tag, and the, you know, we know how you know the Bengals feel about money, and so they're going to want to take advantage of it. And I mean, the other aspect of this too is obviously AJ hasn't played with Zach Taylor at all, so he hasn't played in a game yet. I mean, like obviously he's in all the meetings and practices and whatnot, but I think that that's It'll be interesting to see what role it, it. I mean, he might be better. Who knows? But it's just it's a, such an unknown to me that I think is absolutely fascinating and dictates kind of like the way when you think of that offense, it gets parsed out amongst Boyd and Mixon specifically. Yeah, and we 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 want to remember that uh, Burrow wanted him there, right? He he lobbied right. for him to be there when the Bengals were were going to draft him. So yeah, uh, that yeah, that sure. that fares well. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. Remains to be seen, but. Uh, Let's move on. AFC South, uh, we've got the Colts actually as the uh, odds-on favorite here at plus 120, according to Bovada. You've got the Titans, who are a surprise team last year at plus 175. The Texans uh, making the big trade this offseason to acquire David Johnson. They're at plus 325. And then you've got the Jaguars sitting in the basement at plus 2,000, which is probably where the Bengals should have been. What do you think of the AFC South? <laughs> uh, I think that it's it's – Pretty open at the top, but I love the Colts this year. Again, I know Philip that Rivers, we're going back your to boy. Oh, Rivers, yeah, not because of him, but because of, <laughs> because of Frank Reich, because, because of, of not Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Rivers can't be much worse. But even if Rivers gets hurt, which he like never has, basically. But even if he does, you know, you've got a sort of starting caliber quarterback behind him, and I just like I think that they're going to be so much better. Like their third year of you know with this regime in terms of like accumulating the talent you know they were very banged up last year I think they had one of the worst injuries or games lost to injuries of the entire league and um yeah Chris Ballard's like in my opinion the top three GM so I think that they've built up you know it starts from the the trenches their offensive line is maybe the best in the league and it, it flows out from there and I just think that they're going to be a really good really sound football team. I don't know about like fantasy quality, but I think that from like a, you know, just from a football perspective, I like them to win this division. Interesting. I I, I would have thought the Titans would be the favorites uh, from a mm-hmm. betting line perspective. I'm surprised they're sitting there at plus 175. That's I mean, I, I know, I know it's Tannehill, you know, I know that uh, Derrick Henry's, you know, he's a guy that, that uh, has a breakout year and you expect to be one of the top drafted players in fantasy. Uh, you know, I think the Titans get better at defense this offseason, too. I, 
I think that for me, for my money, if I'm if I'm betting in this division, I'm taking the Titans. But I see your point with Indianapolis. Obviously, coaching plays a role, and offensive line is kind of where where the where you start things in the trenches. But mm-hmm. I I don't trust the Texans uh, because of Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. But I think the Titans uh, are an interesting bet here for me at plus one seventy five. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think it's definitely between those two. I'm with you. I like. I think the world is a Sean Watson, but you lose DeAndre Hopkins and add David Johnson to your point. Like, that's that's just such a big yeah. L for them. <laughs> Even though they get Cooks, they trade a second for Cooks. They add Randall Cobb. He'll be, like, their third receiver. Will Fuller can't stay healthy. Like, they're – again, I love – Randall love Cobb won't the, go away. That's your boy. He won't. I, I love him for it. But I wish he was in green and gold. But, yeah, he's – you know, they're, they just don't have the pieces around Watson. Like, J.J. Watts, like – you know, over the hill at this point, their, their defense is not very good. I, I'm, I think you're onto something there. I think that it's down to the Titans and Colts. I just think that the Colts are, are due based on last year. So I'm, I'm leaning that direction, but like, I, hate there's really no... I hate the AFC South. <laughs> I hate it from the fantasy. It frustrated me all last year. It's boring oh, to watch. You, you, there was always that you always have the Thursday night color rush games. I just, I hate, the, I hate this division. <laughs> My brother's a huge Titans fan. I hope he hears this. I hate yeah. the AFC South. <laughs> yeah, and we hate you too, DJ. No, yeah, you sick. But they, yeah, I, I I hear you on the Titans. Like, there's really no reason not to like them, except for the fact that they, yeah, the division's just like this is like the new NFC Central. Like, they they just want to run the ball and get the hell out of there. You know, I feel like that's what we're we're careening towards here with this division. Fair. All right. This one might be the easiest choice. Might be. It is the easiest choice. The AFC West defending Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs, minus 350. I mean, easy money, you would think. Denver, you know, they come in this year at plus 750. You've got the Chargers who announced today they're going to start to Rod Taylor at quarterback to start the season at plus 800. And then the Las Vegas, that's got a nice ring to it, Raiders, uh, at plus 1,000. Anybody here... Even it, a run at a wild card. I, Drew Locke should be starting the whole year for Denver. The Raiders, uh, you just you never know what to expect out of them. Anybody here yeah. that can make a run at a wild card? I mean, I think you nailed it, basically. Like, anyone could make a run. I, Derwin James being out for the season is, is a big blow to the Chargers. Because I think, like, when you look at that Chargers team, even the coach, like, they are built so much like that Bills team that made the playoffs before, or even I think maybe Josh Allen's rookie year, but they're like Tyrod Taylor made a playoff too, didn't he? As, as the Bills quarterback, I think. That yeah. They, they lost the wild card round. I believe. I don't remember what yeah. year, but yeah. Yeah. This team reminds me of that. Like it, right down to Taylor, like they've got, you know, the pass catching running back, the little gritty receiver, the really good defense, but not having Derwin James is such a dagger for them and what they want to do defensively with Gus Bradley that I, I really struggle with seeing them even being able to, to cobble together seven wins. Cause I think that those other three teams are just going to beat each other up. So like when you're thinking about surprise wild card teams that could jump up, you got to think of like, can any of these teams basically sweep the division aside from the chiefs who are likely to go undefeated in the division, you know? And I, I just, I don't see it. Like I, I, I'm not a Drew lock believer really. And like you said, the Raiders could go either direction. I mean, you could see them like put it all together and win, you know, nine or ten games maybe, but it would take everything going right, everyone staying healthy, and you know, somehow Derek Carr reclaiming what he was before that injury that one year. So, yeah, I I just think they all seem like seven and nine to eight and eight teams to me. Yeah, and that's usually the case. I think Hunter Henry is a top three, maybe five 
tight end this mm. year in fantasy if he stays healthy, regardless yeah. of who's at the helm. I think either way, these aren't these aren't quarterbacks that are going to necessarily beat you. So having a check down big target like that who can go up in space and catch the ball, I, I know he was hurt and kind of came off injury and had a few big games. And obviously, Philip Rivers was inconsistent last year, but I think Hunter Henry is poised for a huge year. So hmm. mark that one down. He's he's going to be like a tight it. end to keep an eye on. I mean, there's another tight end in this division I really like, and it, he plays well. Obviously, Travis Kelsey. I was going to say, is it Kelsey? Because that, that that's not <laughs> really quite a stretch there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like go Darren Raiders. Waller. Yep, Darren Waller is um, is basically that guy for that offense. Like he is the number one target. Like it, you know, Tyrell Williams out for the season. It sounds like we we talked about Brian Edwards a little last week. He's going to probably be starting. Henry Ruggs is fun, but he's not going to catch a ton of balls. I mean, I think it's the Darren Waller show there in that pass offense. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, speaking of a lot of fantasy, there is a lot of interesting fantasy players here. Melvin Gordon is in Denver now. Um, and that's interesting because you've still got Philip Lindsay. And, you know, it's and then I, I just, yeah, like it, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, another guy we talked about last week. Like this division, amidst the uncertainty, if you're able to peg like who is going to be better and who within these offenses is at least going to get the focus, you know, it becomes there's definitely some potential opportunity here to be had. Yeah, there's certainly uh, a few guys. I mean, obviously, Josh Jacobs is another guy that uh, had a big year last year. You've got Austin Eckler. What what does he do now without Melvin Gordon there? Mm -hmm. Does his production stay what it was? You know, what do the Chiefs do at, at the running back position, to your point there, with Edwards Hilaire? It's going to be a fun division fantasy-wise, but I think for the most part it's going to be a pretty boring division otherwise. Football-wise, yeah, totally. This is like the, the Colts situation. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we, we feel like it, it, it took us a while to get to the NFC, but let's, let's kind of run through the NFC East here. We've got Dallas uh, as the favorite to win the East here at minus 120, the Eagles at plus 145, and then everybody. I just I absolutely love seeing Washington football team at plus 1600. I mean, that that is just great. They announced they're going to start Dwayne Haskins. This could be one of the worst train wreck football seasons in the history of football, if, if not for the Bengals, for the Washington football team. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, it's not going to be good. Mm, no, I come no on. Idea. You're going yeah. to try to say something positive about them? They're going to be trash. They're better than like the Jaguars. I mean, if we were going to go down that road, we should have. Kidding just me, Minshew Mania. Minshew Mania will be interesting. Bud lights for everyone if he if he wins you your league. But DJ Shark. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Fred Taylor. I I mean I think that uh, <laughs> Mark Brunel, Mark Brunel, and Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell. I think that I this um, this Washington team. The one thing is Terry McLaurin. At least is like you know, an interesting player for sure. Like he's definitely a top 20 receiver, if not top 15, very quietly. Um, and even if you've got Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith or anybody, throwing the ball to him. <laughs> <laughs> Gus Farratt. I mean, anyone is out there tossing the ball or RG three. I think yeah. that there's, there's, yeah. I mean, it's really just McLaurin. I don't really know who else. They've got Antonio Gibson, who's a, a rookie from Memphis that, could play a, an interesting role in that backfield as a pass catcher and runner. Um, that's probably getting drafted at the end of some of your drafts. So keep an eye out for him if you're looking for a late sleeper. But yeah, that Washington team is is gross. Um, the, I think the Giants are much less gross, definitely from a fantasy perspective. Uh, you know, probably the consensus number two pick with Saquon Barkley and 
Um, you know, Daniel Jones, we talked about him a lot last year. Like he definitely flashes at times, I think, but I don't know what they look like with Joe judge as their coach and Jason Garrett running their offense. Obviously Jason Garrett, the bane of many a fantasy owner's existence. And, um, but you know, the, the talent is all there. Like, like Shepard and Engram and Barkley. And then, you know, they use a top 10 pick on Jones. So I think that they've, they've got some pieces, but I, I don't expect them to jump up. I think that the, you know, the money is on the Eagles to me. Like I, I've kind of gone down with this shit multiple times, but I'll take the best quarterback in this division, which for Jalen my Hurts. money is, is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, is <laughs> uh, Carson Wentz. And so, yeah, I like them, even though they're always banged up perennially and the Cowboys have all the talent um, and are, are very, very interesting from a fantasy perspective. And now I have Mike McCarthy running the show. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like, I like you being willing to, to die on that hill. I, I think you like them with the money, though, is what you're saying. You don't necessarily yes. like them to win the division. Correct. I would I would take them with that that number. But, I yeah, like if it was a, if it was equal, then I'm taking the Cowboys. I mean, it's just the Cowboys, it's like fool me once, you know. I, just Every yeah. year they're just way more mediocre than they should be. They have way too many weapons, and now they add to it. <laughs> I just – I don't know what to expect out of them. I, I, I just there's not there's no point in assuming that Dallas is going to be as good as they hope to anymore. <laughs> well, they have Mike McCarthy now, so he can disappoint another franchise. I think that like if you look, <laughs> Dak Dak has pretty much been like a top three fantasy quarterback in drafts, which is wild to me. No, I mean, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, he it, like we know McCarthy loves throwing, but. I just don't trust him. I would take Jared all. Goff over him. <laughs> I mean that. Love that. I love that. Yeah. No, uh, Dak is, but Dak is, you know, he, he runs, he, he, you know, Zeke hasn't quite been the player he was early in his career. So the thought is maybe like with Lamb and Cooper and Gallup, you know, that, that a lot of that success is going to sort of trickle through to, to Dak and Dak's numbers. I, I just, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not going to be the guy that takes him, I don't think. Fair enough. Likewise. Uh, let's get to the division we've all been waiting for, the NFC North. And actually, it's important worth and worth noting that uh, Bovada has this as the tightest division from mm-hmm. a gambling perspective, from a line perspective. And it's the Vikings at plus 175. Your Green Bay Packers quite literally at plus 180. The <laughs> Bears at plus 400. And then the Lions at plus 450, which I, I'm surprised the Lions are sitting there at plus 450, even though... They, I believe they signed Galladay to an extension, uh, and you've you've got Matt Stafford hopefully healthy. The Lions should, mm-hmm. in theory, be a much better team. But plus four fifty when when you've got these other teams that have you know proven to be better. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me when I see those, I just I'm surprised the Lions are lower than the Bears. I think the Bears, as is tradition, are just absolute trash. <laughs> like you're looking at Foles and Trubisky, David Montgomery's hurt. For a team that wants to run the ball, uh, like who's going to be running the ball week one? I, I don't know. I, you don't think like, Trubisky's going to have a breakout year? <laughs> I know I've been on the record as being a huge fan, but uh, <laughs> no, I think I have to jump. I think there. garbage is a word that's been used a few times. <laughs> He's trash. He's straight trash. He's so bad. He should not be a quarterback in the NFL. I firmly believe that. I wouldn't sign him as my backup. Who do you but, think has a better year this year, Burrow or uh, Trubisky? Come on. Is that even a question? I'm, I'm I, serious. Like, Rookie, would, third year? No. What? 
God damn it. No, Joe Burrow is going to be sweet. And Mitch Trubisky is probably not even going to start by week three if they're smart, which they're not. So he'll probably be starting week 17. I, I, I love I'm hearing sorry. you talk about the Bears. There's no, he, their quarterback room is so bad. They should honestly just put Khalil Mack on ice this year, tank, and try to get a real quarterback for next year because then they might have a chance at being relevant. But they had a great draft. I, <laughs> they have like one pick in the first four yeah, rounds. Like, <laughs> they've had one pick in the last three years combined, and they use it on David Montgomery, who can't stay healthy and is bigger than half the offensive line in the league. But I digress again. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I think that I think that the Lions. At plus four fifty, are you're right? Like I, I don't see, I don't see the scenario of them winning the division, but I think that they should be in a better spot than the Bears, truly. Um, but you know their defense is a problem, so there, that's there's that. Um, I I got to be honest, like I know I'm super biased, but why are the Packers dogs to the Vikings? Like I, I just don't understand that. I I think that the Vikings without Stephon Diggs are significantly worse. Dalvin Cook is you know, on his franchise tag, there's talks that he might end up like pulling a Melvin Gordon at the last second. Like, I, I mean, I think that there's, I think that the Packers are in a great spot to win. I think division. it's, and, I mean, I, for the money, it's a great bet either way. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. They, like at worst, it should be a coin flip. Similar also, to you would expect and, Aaron Rodgers to be, you know, at his best considering the fact that they draft Jordan Love. And I'm sure yeah. that, I'm sure that that's motivation for a competitor like that. For sure. And I mean, it's the second year, just like logistically, it's the second year in a system. He's going to know the Matt LaFleur stuff a lot better. And I, I do think that they're just going to be better. Like, like it's almost like they're betting on Rodgers to get hurt or something, which is possible, certainly. But I, I think that, like, when you look at that number, I, I truly don't get why the in what way the Vikings deserve to be favored ahead of the Packers in this season, maybe, maybe it has something to do with the fact that fans aren't going to be allowed at Lambeau and the Packers have like a distinct home field advantage usually, but I still don't get that. Like, honestly. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to sound biased, but I like the Packers at that number. No, I, I actually agree with you. And I don't see either any of those three, even though this is the closest uh, from a, from a line perspective here on Bovada, I, I don't, I don't know how anybody bets on any of the other three Unless it's Minnesota, but at, at the mm-hmm. line where it is, I agree with you. I just don't, I don't see how it's not the other way around. I see it being close, but I don't yeah. see it being the, this way. I, I think it should be flip flop. Now, obviously, where the money's going has a lot to do with what the lines are. Very true. So Very true. you know, it, it, this isn't necessarily Bovada making a bad line, for example, but it, it, it's 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 definitely still a little bit troubling to see um, that where it's at. So I, I do like the Packers. I'm sure you're betting on it. I probably won't, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but I do like them. All oh, right, yeah. Th- these next two divisions and our last two divisions before we uh, wrap the show up. I know we're long. It's the week before. We're a little excited. We're a little giddy, excited, if you can't tell. On. But these are the most. <laughs> these two divisions to me are the most intriguing, if, mm-hmm. if not in the, the the whole league, certainly in the NFC. You've got the Saints. Favored. We've heard all the talk about Kamara these last couple days. It sounds like now they're going to try to hold on to him after talking about potentially being willing to trade him. They're at minus 105. And then you've got the Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, now Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 145. I mean, I I assume that line moves a little bit uh, with, with the addition of Leonard Fournette. You have Ronald Jones Jr., who is expected to be the workhorse for this Tampa Bay team coming into this year. I would have to assume that addition for, of Fournette 
changes that storyline a little bit. And then you've got the Falcons, who I know they're plus 650 here, aren't you? But I expect the Falcons to bounce back this year. I expect a huge year out of Julio Jones. I, I think Matt Ryan is poised for a, a much better season from a record standpoint than this Falcons team had last year. Carolina, maybe not so much. Teddy Bridgewater, you still have uh, uh, McCaffrey, obviously, is going to mm-hmm. be probably the top pick in fantasy football leagues nationwide. But I, I love this NFC South. It interests me in a big way. I, I'm excited to see what happens with Tom Brady in a different jersey. I can actually not root against him, uh, you know, being that I. <laughs> I have a history of, of liking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yes. when they had work done. So I, you know, I, or Jameis, <laughs> who, who is now, you know, we're going to see that rivalry as well this year uh, with Jameis against Tom Brady. But uh, what oh, do you think? Yeah. NFC South, to me, this is fun. It's awesome. I mean, how how is the NFC North tighter than this? This, like, it is a coin flip. And for that reason, well, I am all over the box at that number. I know that that seems like a fish move, I feel like, but that's, I mean, come on, like you bring in Brady and Gronk and Fournette, like there's, you know, they were already a a pretty fun offense, even with Jameis throwing the ball to the other team half the time. Like, I think that that's, that's a fun group that was improved defensively year two of Bruce Arians, you know, as good of a receiver room as there is in football, almost for sure the best one. And yeah, I, I, I really like the Bucks there. I don't really understand why that's not closer. And especially with the Kamara stuff, like that's, that definitely scares me a little. And, you know, the weirdness of Drew Brees in the offseason. Like, I do think that the Saints are probably a slightly better team. But I wouldn't underestimate what, like, the vibe of bringing in someone like Brady means to a full-on locker room. And the way that the Bucks were already playing, like, decently well last year. I mean, they were hanging around the playoff until, I think, like, week 15 or 16, right, with Jameis. And so... Yeah, I mean, I I I like the Bucks at that number, but I I loved your comment on the Falcons. I think that, you know, Matt Ryan with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley year three, um, you know, they add Hayden Hurst as their tight end to replace Austin Hooper. I don't think there's going to be a big drop off there, and you know, I think that they they made some additions. Todd Gurley in that backfield is going to be. I know he didn't have a good season last year, but it'll be interesting to see what he does on an offense that doesn't try to like is hold him from that area too. He is, yeah. He's a Georgia UGA guy. Um, but yeah, I think that I really like that Falcons team, at least from a fantasy standpoint. And then, you know, I I, I really wouldn't sleep on Matt Rule and the, the Panthers just making games interesting. I think that tightens up the division when you don't have a total pushover at the very back of it. So, you know, don't forget about DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and they add Robbie Anderson as well to that receiving core. So I think that that's, that division is going to be fun in terms of points for sure. Do you, I, I've got to ask, I mean, I know Tom Brady had a big drop off from, from a fantasy standpoint last year. And, you know, we, we saw games where we were like, what, what is this guy? Like, you know, is, is he lost mm-hmm. it? And we, you know, that conversation comes up a lot, right? It, it, mm-hmm. late, late in people's career. When is, when is it that Rogers. he's lost it? Yep. Do you do you think this could either revitalize Tom Brady's career or could this be like a Joe Montana to the Chiefs move where we kind of forget how good Tom Brady was? Not not in total, right? Not in total. Obviously, yeah. no one's going to forget the championships. But could this be something where Tom Brady kind of fizzles out as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that there's a chance. You know, it's, it looks weird seeing him in the, you know, in the weird orange and, you know, what like – I could totally see it being like a Montana situation from that perspective. But ultimately, you know, like if he puts together a season like he's had the last few years, 
people are going to kind of look at that stat line and be like, oh, Tom Brady's lost it. But in reality, you know, he's been that guy for a while. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does. It's all about the ring, though, in the end, you know. If he makes the Super Bowl again, all, all will be remembered. How realistic do you think that is that he makes the Super Bowl? I mean, they're they're definitely in the conversation. I, we're going to get to the NFC West in a second, but I think that this team is, you know, it's on the short list. But I, I do think that this – you know, we talked about the Chiefs and the AFC and the AFC West specifically. Like, that seems to me like much more of a foregone conclusion than like the Niners repeating in the NFC. I think that the NFC is wide open for five or six teams. Well, there's a few teams in the NFC West that you alluded to that are going to be in the running. And this is, I think this is the most interesting division. Uh, you know, you have Arizona who. A lot of people are talking about, you mentioned the Hopkins trade. Obviously, the Rams still have a lot of weapons. You have Seattle, who's always in the running and, and always in the playoffs. And then you have the Niners coming off of a year where they make the Super Bowl. Bovada's got the Niners as the favorite at plus 105. Seahawks right there at plus 205. And then the Rams and Cardinals at plus 600 each. I, I mean, I, I just, I think the Cardinals are a team that could be very interesting but I don't know if San Francisco can repeat the type of season that they put together without really doing a ton to add weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I know they ran the ball great last year, but how do they how do they duplicate something in such a difficult division? I could not agree with you more. I'm all about a certain team in this division, and I think that, you know, yeah, I the Niners are a year removed from having the number two pick. And admittedly, that was a fluke. Like Garoppolo gets hurt for a while. You know, they had a lot of injuries. They add Nick Bosa. But remember, they traded DeForest Buckner this offseason, who was like their linchpin in the middle of that defense for the for a pick that basically became Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, it's I mean, and you know, they added another piece. They had two first rounders, but like that's you know, it's not quite what you expect out of uh, a team that was so competitive and arguably should have won the Super Bowl last year. So I think that, you know, I agree. I mean, they're, they're a shoe in to make the playoffs again, even if Garoppolo gets hurt, I think. But I love, absolutely love the Los Angeles Rams at that number. I think that plus 600, like everyone's talking about the Cardinals, you know, the, the Seahawks or the Seahawks are going to be better. But plus 600 for Sean McVay's Rams, I think, is an absurd number. And um, even though they lose Brandon Cooks this offseason, I love them there. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks, is, as good as he is at times, he was not as productive, I think, as, as the Rams no. wanted him to be. I mean, Cooper Cup, when he got healthy last year, you know, you, you have a number one receiver. And then Robert Woods, obviously, still... Uh, there with the Rams. I, I just, I, you lose Gurley, but you also lose it kind of an older and aging, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more, less productive Todd Gurley than the Rams had had, uh, had before. And I feel like they, they're going to have an opportunity to kind of mold some of these younger running backs that they maybe Your can boy, have Ken a little Akers. bit. Akers is, he's, I mean, he's a guy that uh, a lot of people are drafting high as one of, one of the top two to three running backs uh, from a fantasy standpoint. And I think he'll get those looks. I mean, Cam Akers is a guy that that probably got drafted lower than he the his ability shows, and it's because he played for a really really bad Florida State team. But he put up ridiculous numbers at a college where so many good running backs have come out of. So many mm-hmm. good productive professional running backs have come from Florida State, and he was right there at the top of those record books. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I think that he'll he'll get a lot of looks in this Rams offense. They're going to be creative with the way that they use him. Um, he's not going to be a workhorse, you know, three down back, but he's going to be a guy that is going to be productive and he's going to earn his way to more looks as the season goes on for sure. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that they actually may have gotten better in the running back room, even though they lost Gurley. And, you know, I think for the Rams, it's all about that offensive line. Like they, Andrew Whitworth is clearly getting closer to death every day. And uh, I think that that's, you know, that's, that's a tough one because they, you know, he was so good way past his prime and, you know, now he's not even starting for them, but I, I just worry about like that line because Jared Goff, when he's under pressure, is a different kind of quarterback and not in the better way. So, you know, if you stack up these four quarterbacks, you know, maybe Goff isn't at the top. But if you stack up, you know, the the entirety of their rosters, I just I really like the Rams. And I think that I again, all things being equal. OK, maybe I'm not taking the Rams to win the division, but at plus 600, that is a wild number to me for a team that's a year removed from you know, making the Super Bowl. And, you know, when you look at the favorite being a year removed from having the number two pick, it's like, it just doesn't balance out to me. So, you know, I know in between you've got the Seahawks and this upstart Cardinals team, but I I do like the Rams at that number. I know this is going to be contrary to common belief going into this season. I think the Niners are going to have a pretty significant drop off from last year. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that because I don't think they're a good team. I know they have a great defense. I know that, uh, you know, they've got one of the best running attacks in the league. But when you when you have this good of a division to play against, I I mean, what did they go? 13 and three last year, 12 and four, 14 and two, I think. That's the one. Yeah. okay, 14 and two. I had a flip flop 14 and two. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, not, really. you're not you're not going to win you're not going to win 14 games when you have to play the Rams twice, the Seahawks twice, and this Cardinals no. team. Do not sleep on this Cardinals team this year. I'm telling this you, Cardinals. Team, I know you say the Rams at plus 600 and it's crazy and they're proven. The Cardinals are 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 a team that I know I, I know a lot of people like and you know they're an up and coming team and their offense they're going to score points whatever whatever whatever. Uh, at plus 600 in the division, they're not winning the division. So I'm not taking that bet like I would with the Rams, to your point. But right. they're going to be in games. They will upset. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they went 500 in the division at all. That, and that would be three massive wins exactly. and three massive losses for the other two. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, I, I think back to Lake Tahoe and watching this Cardinals team yeah. on a Thursday night against this Niners team that was running on all cylinders, and they almost knocked them off. I I mean I totally agree with you. I think the only thing holding the Cardinals back, I think they're a year away, is you know year three of the Kingsbury Murray experience, and I truly think that that defense is just not quite up to snuff yet. But you know who knows? Like it's a, it's a wild year, and that's the thing we should have caveated this whole conversation with is you know continuity is going to matter in a big way um, to to a lot of these teams, and you know the ones that are able to stay healthy and be smart. Um, but, you know, also be in shape throughout the year and potentially be in warmer climates, I think, it is going to be a factor. And I think that, you know, this Cardinals team is situated nicely for a weird season um, to, like, to, you know, to spring some upsets because they're going to be a very difficult team to to scout from day one. You know, we're going to have to change the name of this show to the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour in 10 minutes, but I did (laughs) want to make this point because I, I, you've, you've, I mean, you've, you've pointed out to me that the Rams are very grossly underrated going into this season. NFC champion Bovada's got him at plus 2,000. I mean, I could, Mm. I could certainly see that team winning the NFC championship and going to the Super Bowl. Plus 2,000? That's crazy to me. Like, it just doesn't, I, it's totally, the the Bears are plus 2,500. The Falcons are plus 2,500. The Vikings are plus fifteen. I mean, there's this this the Eagles are plus twelve hundred. That's insane. I I don't I I mean someone tell me I I don't get that like I really don't I think that 
I'm a I'm a believer in McVeigh. Maybe I'm an apologist for McVeigh, but I think that they are just that you know. Can't you just squint and see them beating like the Seahawks? Like who? What makes the Seahawks so much better than them? I mean, Russell Wilson is uh, awesome. Obviously, no question about that. We haven't talked about the Seahawks at all, but the like, Chargers are plus twelve hundred to win the AFC, and the Rams are plus two thousand to win the NFC. That's insane. The just Browns insane. are plus sixteen hundred. <laughs> what what is it about the Rams that people don't like? Like it's not like they're losing home field advantage either. Like they're you know all these teams aren't going to have fans, so they're, I, I mean, they're definitely going on sixteen now. No, for sure, we totally killed them, but at least we had fun thinking about it and agreeing on it. Fair, that's fair. <laughs> all right, I know we went long in the tooth. This uh, this Oklahoma City Houston game, five minutes left, is a barn burner. I want to watch the mm-hmm. end of it, and I know you do. And we want to yep. let you guys get back to your week. We know we went long. We hope you enjoyed the the preview of the divisions. We're going to talk fantasy next week, leading up to Game One of the NFL season. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We'll see you guys next week.